Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony. And my wife and I are privileged to lead this congregation. Uh, my wife's not here today uh, because she decided to go on a restful girls trip that a friend of hers planned for her. So how many know a mom of five who's married to me needs a break every once in a while, okay? So it's okay for you to say amen to that. You won't offend me. So she's on her way back down from the mountain. And so, um, man, I'm just so grateful. I got I to gotta give a shout out to, to Anna, who just did a great job leading the team in Sophia's absence. Man, I'll tell you what, this is, we know that a church cannot just be built on two personalities, right? And so just because Sophia does a great job leading worship, we're just so grateful that we are a worshiping house. And I mean, Anna's on her way. How many kids do you guys have now? Four. Four and counting, right? Come on. <laughs> and so... Sergio said yes, she laughed, okay. <laughs> no, they both laughed. But anyway, so uh, I'm just so excited to start a brand new series today on the book of James. You know, a lot has been said about the Apostle Paul. A lot, of course, rightfully so, is said about Jesus himself. But in the New Testament, we find this short yet impactful letter written by the half-brother of Jesus himself. Can you imagine getting to grow up with Jesus, the Messiah? I mean, sharing a dinner table with him, sharing household chores, learning from your father how to cut wood and make tables and chairs and whatever else their father Joseph the carpenter did. Can you imagine the beautiful perspective that this man named James had? Uh, well, today uh, we're going to begin to look at the writings that James leaves for all of us as believers. And I got to say this, in the five chapters found here in the book of James, we know that there's a lot to unpack. My hope like every other series or sermon, is that I give you a little bit of a taste and that you go home and see. So would you open up your Bibles to the book of James? We're going to read the entire first chapter today, James chapter 1. Are you ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this second service? All right. James, a servant of God and the Lord and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. And then he gets right to it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Say steadfastness. steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. How many of you are grateful for that? Yeah. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? And let the rich man in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. 
For the sun rises with its scorching heat, excuse me, and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is being tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then the desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How many of you are grateful God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Of his own, he, will be br- he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, say with me meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the words and word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and does not and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Ouch. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray now that every person in this room, those online, no matter where they're at on their journey of faith, I pray that they would have open hearts, open ears, to hear from you. Help us, God, as we just read, to not just be hearers, but also doers of your word. We ask, God, that you would form Christ's character in all of us so that we could mature into the person that you've called us to be. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have you ever been around a sick person and you avoid them like the plague because you don't want to get sick too? Anybody? So, you know, it's so interesting because my wife decided to leave on this trip. And as she left on Friday, I began to not feel so great. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get extra sleep. I got to start taking some vitamins. I got to do this. I got to do that. And, and, and if anyone is sick around me, I am going to stay away from them. Why? Because we hate being sick. Who likes being sick? Raise your hand if you do. We're going to go ahead and pray for you right now. Okay, Nehemiah does, because he gets a lot of attention. That's my son right there. <laughs> right? Nobody likes being sick. Am I right? So, so we do everything we can in our power to avoid getting sick, becoming ill. Why? Because we all seek comfort and we all just like to feel good. Am I right? Who here loves to just feel good, right? And so 
we come across this text and the first words out of James' mouth after a greeting is, hey, put a smile on your face. You're really going through it. <laughs> right? And it sounds so opposite to what we as humans desire and experience. Right? Like, who likes to smile through pain? Come on, ladies who have given birth. The last thing you need your husband to do while you're pushing that baby out is, come on, honey, just smile. Think about the beautiful child that you are giving birth to. Right? No, right? Like, you're going, you did this to me! <laughs> Yet we see the brother of Jesus writing to what's known as the diaspora which is the Greek word for the dispersion of the church. I want to bring you into the context here. James is writing to a group of people, that early church, who have now been persecuted to the point where now these 12 tribes have been dispersed. The diaspora. We're talking now they've had to go and flee, which by the way, if you read church history, it's the best thing that ever happened to the church. Because had it not been for this persecution, the church wouldn't have spread throughout the nations, and, and they did. And so we, we begin to see how James offer us what I call, offers us what I call an upside-down kingdom mentality that goes, hey, in pain, in chaos, in suffering, there's some really beautiful things that take place. By the way, this was written in 40 to 50 A.D., so th this is considered by most theologians as the first New Testament written book. And if, you, and if you're really like geeky like me with theology, just track with me. If you read uh, Acts 4 and Acts 5, this is parallel to that same timeline, okay? And so here's James and he immediately goes, hey, Rejoice when you've got a ton of trials and tribulations and issues going on in your life. And little does he know that a decade later, he would be martyred for believing. In fact, it is said of James that his death was a brutal death. He made him climb up to the pinnacle of the, current, at the, of the temple where he was at, and they threw him off the roof. When he fell, historians say he didn't immediately die. So the people began to take stones and start throwing at him and begin to stone James. And it is said and is recorded that as he was being stoned, he repeated the words of his brother. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And before he could finish that word, there was a cleaner, someone who would clean uh, cloths and, and clothes and they would use these clubs to beat the clothes and, and be able to clean them. He took a club and before James could even finish that prayer, he was clubbed in the head and that is how he died. Little did this man know as he penned and wrote, hey, count it all joy that this was going to be his death. And so I understand that in this first chapter, there's a lot to be talked about. But today, I want to talk to you about when we suffer. What do you and I do when we suffer? How can we benefit from suffering? And, and, and you know this, you know I'm a three-point preacher, and there's a lot more than three points to unpack today. But I want to give you the first one today, and that is this. 
When we suffer, you and I have a chance to move from sulking to rejoicing. Did you know that that's actually an option? But the reality is this, is most of us like to kind of, not just sulk, but soak in our pain sometimes. And complain. And feel sorry for ourselves. And, and, if, and hear me, and if we aren't careful, we get mad when our friends don't join in on our sulking. You're not being a good friend. A good friend says, hey, when you suffer, the Bible calls us to rejoicing. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you ask. Verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why can we move from sulking to rejoicing? Here's why. Because the testing of our faith produces something in us. And that something is called steadfastness. And we are to let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Jump to verse 9 with me and look, look at this. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation? Wait, 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 that sounds upside down. Can I tell you and remind some of you today that it is in your weakness where God's strength is perfected. I hope this takes some weight off your shoulders because some of you are striving to get it right. And maybe rightfully so, you've got great intentions to just, I gotta get it right and I gotta fix everything in my life. Here's what a mentor once said to me Tony, don't try to fix what God's trying to break. Because it's in the brokenness, it's in my suffering that God produces something in me. But it's against our nature to rejoice when we face trials and tribulation. Some of you know this. Uh, it'll come to, as a surprise to those of you that maybe just saw me for the first time, but I was once a great runner, once, once a great runner. And after years of not running, I decided a couple months ago that I was going to sign up for a half marathon. And so I've been training uh, and, and putting my body through a lot of pain over the last Four weeks and just recently uh, the Chicago Marathon was ran and, and the, the record, the world record for the men's marathon was broken by approximately six seconds. And the previous, don't show the picture yet, but the previous uh, record holder, uh, his name is Elliot Kipke, uh, he would run the marathon in two hours and 35 seconds. That is a four minute, 36 second mile for 26.2 miles. Okay? Uh, I can barely break seven minutes in one mile right now, okay? My, my son, who, by the way, is the district champion in the mile in the middle school last year, was, was attempting to break five minutes and ran a 5.06 in eighth grade. And that was like what one, can you imagine 26.2 miles at four minutes and 36 seconds? Uh, your body begins to, to shut down. Your, your organs begin to tell you, I am in pain, get comfortable. And Elliot was recently on a podcast that I was listening to and they asked him, what is your secret to bridling your body and getting comfortable with pain? And you see this photo here and this photo depicts 
how he is. You see this grin on his face. He said, I smile through every mile. And, and if you watch him race, he races with a grin. Sometimes it's a painful grin, but it's always a smile. There's something to be said about when we understand that we've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And what's true in the natural here is also true in the spiritual. Just as this world record holder has understood that, man, in the midst of pain, something happens when I simply put a smile on my face. Now, I'm not talking about positive thinking alone. I'm not talking about ignore your situation and just name it and claim it. In fact, that's not even what James is talking about. James goes, in the midst of your recognition of your pain and suffering, there is something more than just sulking, feeling sorry for yourself, and victimizing yourself. No, my friend, there's a smile. There's a joy that can come. Why? Because after all, hear me on this, it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Notice how I didn't say it's happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It's, it's weak. It's fragile. Yet the joy of the Lord is something that meets me in the midst of my circumstances. Can I tell you something? There is no sanctification or growth without suffering. Why do I talk about sanctification or growth? I'm glad you asked. I got to talk to you about my concern for you as a Christ follower and as a disciple of Jesus. My concern is that you walk with him for years, that you come to church every weekend, that you tithe, you give to special offerings, you help us build buildings, you help us do outreaches for the community, that you do it all, yet in the midst of that, you don't learn the secret of what it is to have deep roots in the midst of the wind, the storm, the rain, and desert seasons. My, my concern is this, is that we allow pain and suffering to keep us jaded or we let it grow us. My friend, you've got two choices today. And if you aren't careful, you will allow pain to jade you, cause you to have a hard heart, and even worse, become a victim to your own life. And you all know the victim people. Victim people, victim mentality people always need somebody to sulk with them. Yet James is going, hey, you're not a victim. There's something God is producing in you and will do through you in the midst of your pain. And this is why I don't want you to get stuck in your pain. Because some of you today, you're living based on an identity of a moment of pain that you once experienced in your past. And you're stuck there. It's something that somebody said to you and it hurt you so deeply that now it's defined who you are today. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care what they said, what does God say? I'm here to tell you, some of you are stuck in this past pain and hurt and suffering, which by the way was very real, absolutely, absolutely, 
There, it happened to you, but come on, your past may explain you, but it certainly doesn't have to define you. My friend, there are some of you that are stuck and you've allowed the pain and the suffering and the trials and the tribulation and the backstabbing and the infidelity and everything else that's taken place in your life to define who you are today. And God through James is going, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm trying to do something bigger in you than that. This is for somebody today. You are not the sum of all your pain and suffering. You are the sum of all God has done in and through you in the midst of pain and suffering. I wish I could get a witness in this house this morning. You know, in this day and age, we talk a lot about the word influence, right? Social media is riddled with influencers. Am I right? In other words, people that, by the way, are paid by marketing companies to convince you to purchase a product. It's honestly genius, by the way. Because then, like, for example, I started training for this half marathon. Now, all of a sudden, my algorithm is all these dads that run. And if you take this pill, you'll run faster, right? And if you buy my hat that costs $60, you'll look cooler, right? And, and by the way, I've fallen for a few of them, but... <laughs> But, but, but why is that? Because we all love the idea of influencing people. Am I right? We all want to have, if we're honest with ourselves, we all want to have an impact, an inspiration, or some sort of level of influence on people. Am I right? Well, if you want to have impact, if you want to have influence, if you want to be an inspiration in people's lives by pointing them to Jesus... Well, then you first must understand, hear me, that pain and suffering is meant to empty you of yourself so that you may be filled deeper with who he is. Hear me, the deeper you allow Jesus to change and transform you from the inside out, the wider your influence and impact will be. Pain and suffering is meant to empty you of yourself so that you may have the room and the space for him to fill you in such a way. And there are people in this room that can attest to this, that you're going to actually be grateful for what took place. Because had it not been for that, you go, the way he revealed himself to me, the way my roots went deep and had to find a well. And I'm telling you, the people we admire the most are not the victims. They're the people that have allowed their pain and their suffering to have a greater impact in those around you. Let me give you a personal example. There's a person I met with in this church just two weeks ago. He and his wife have a crazy, crazy story about the way they grew up, refugees, and just saw massacre and the complete wiping out of, of a people group in their lifetime. I've just seen the brutality and the tr real trauma before their eyes, the brutality and evil, demonic garbage that, that people have done. And they've seen it, they've experienced it, they've lost their own family to this. And as I was getting to know this person, I'm asking him what, what you know, just he's telling me these stories and I'm, I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted, I'm just hearing all that he's been through. And then I ask him, so what do you do for work? And he goes, I work with people that are refugees that have been traumatized and tortured. 
uh, my wife works with social services. And these are people that have said, my pain, my suffering will produce something in me. Whether it's an empathy or a compassion or a fire to go and help others. This is what James is talking about. If you haven't heard me clearly yet, let me offend you for a quick second. Your pain ain't about you alone. And I, guys, I am not hating on this country. I, I immigrated here when I was 12, and it is a beautiful, I love this place. But you know what the Western culture has done to our Christianity? is it's made us feel like God is just this rabbit's foot that's supposed to get us everything we want, including, hear me, a cushy life. And so then pain and suffering is this thing that, I don't deserve it. By the way, my, if you guys know my wife, she's, she can be pretty harsh sometimes with me in a loving way. So like, sometimes I'll be like, because I'm pretty emotional, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm pretty emotional. <laughs> And I'll be like, babe, I'm like, I'm just like in my feels about this. And like, they really hurt me. And like, this isn't fair. And she'll be like, you know what wasn't fair? The cross. <laughs> I'm like, okay, got it, got it. <laughs> or I'll be like, babe, I'm just being treated so unfairly. Like, this is, this is like, I don't deserve this. Uh, you know, you're right. Because you know what we all deserve? Death and hell. <laughs> I'm like, But praise be to God that Jesus did what he did, and we're not getting what we deserve. But my friend, I, I want to bring you back to this reality. This is what we deserve. Eternal damnation had it not been for Christ. So James is going, hey, take heart. Put a smile on your face. You're going through trials and tribulations. God's doing something in you that he wouldn't otherwise do. The world's view of pain and suffering is God is mean. He must be mad at me. Or I don't deserve this. Are you hearing it, parents of teenagers? Come on. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. The kingdom's view of pain and suffering, hear this, is what will you do in and through me, oh God? I want to challenge you today. Whether you're in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm, would you change your question to why, God, to what will you do, God? Jesus himself understood why he had to suffer. Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it's verse 2. It says of Jesus that, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of what was going to come, he endured the suffering that he did. Much like Paul in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5 says, not only that, my friends, but we rejoice. Say with me, rejoice. And our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. By the way, I would venture to say some of y'all have a weak character because you haven't allowed suffering to do its work in you. Oh, 
I'll get into that in a second. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to ask you, who do you admire the most? Isn't it the people that have been through the most, yet they do it with a smile on their face and they encourage everyone along the way? My friend, this is what we're called to. Some of you need to hear this today. Let this be the word of the Lord for you. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Keep your head up. Your suffering isn't in vain. Your faith isn't in vain. God's doing something in you, which leads me to my second point today. When we suffer, we can move from fickle to unwavering faith. Ooh. Okay. You ready for this? Here's my second concern. That we build churchgoers... Faithful tithers, faithful servants. By the way, those are all good things for you to do. All good spiritual practices. But we build people with weak faith. I didn't get my way, so it's just not going to work out. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness is not, by the way, I'm reading James 1, 3 to 4. Steadfastness is not, I don't get what I like, so I give up. I'm going to explain to you what steadfastness is in just a second. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Hear me on this, church. The marking of a true Christ follower and disciple is someone who moves from being easily rocked, brittle, fickle, weak, short sprint kind of faith into unwavering, anchored, long distance marathon kind of faith. I'm going to say it again because I know some of y'all are taking notes and I love that. The marking of a true Christ follower and disciple is someone who moves from being easily rocked, brittle, fickle, weak, short, sprint kind of faith, and it moves into an unwavering, anchored, long-distance marathon kind of faith. Why is it important for us to understand this? The Greek word, hypomone, means the remaining behind or a patient enduring. It's made up of two words here. This is the word steadfast, right? It's two different Greek words. Hippo, which means under, and meno, which is to remain or endure. In other words, steadfastness is to properly remain under, to have endurance. Steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain or endure under the challenges he allots in life. You ever heard that song? Under pressure. <laughs> I... And what do we do? What do we do when we're under pressure? Come on. What do we do? We want to run away. We want to mask. Or we want to medi medi medicate. Excuse me. Right? We, we try to run away and get out from under it. We try to pop some pills or drink some drinkies. Come on. And, and God's going through James. He, he Blessed is the man who remains under this pressure. 
I just got something burning in my heart that's not in my notes that I got to tell you. The only way to test a true diamond is to see how it handles under pressure. God speaks very clearly through the Apostle Paul, and he goes, this is not in my notes. I got to say this to you. It's in my heart. What are you building with? Do we build with hay and straw? Or do we build with gold and silver and precious jewels? Well, straw comes about in a cheap way. Become the wind and the wave and the storm, and that house gets tossed. Yes, we might be 82 years old, but Legacy Church, if we're going to continue to go into the future and to what God has for us, and I'm not even going to say I'm your new pastor anymore because it's been over a year now, but with whoever's at the helm of this situation of this local church, we got to know we got to build with longevity. But you won't last unless there's steadfastness in you. All right. This is a really good word. I, I know that. <laughs> you want to know how I know? When I'm close to being out of time, yet you guys are still leaning into me. This is good. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. You're helping me out too. So, so, so here, here's, here's what I want to let you know today. In addition to everything I've, I've said. Did you know that God is committed to you for eternity? Have you ever stopped to think about the longevity of God's commitment to you? Now I want to challenge you. How fickle are we with God? And how quickly we give up on God when he's a God that never gives up on us. You want to know why some of you are going, well, I prayed and it just didn't happen. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to do something in you other than just giving you what you want. I don't know. Just maybe. Okay. Did you know? Let me let you in on a little secret. This is why they pay me the big bucks around here. You ready? This journey of faith is a marathon. It's a long haul. And you know what it's filled with? And, and, and I... I want those of you with gray hair in the room that have walked with Jesus for a long time to, to give me a good amen after this if, if you're with me on this, okay? And help, me, help me help out the young people. The, the faith walk of longevity is filled with the slow, mundane, flywheel, day-to-day, I'm going to be faithful, 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 faithful. I go to God in my word. I go to him in prayer. I keep believing. I go to his word. I go to prayer. I go to word. I go to prayer. By the way, this is why my generation has lost. Oh, mm. The spiritual discipline of making my Sunday morning attendance a priority. My generation's like, if I got time, if I'm not vacationing, or if I'm not taking a mental health day because of the week I've had, how about take a spiritual health day? Right? We, we got a generation that's like, no, no, no. Our lives revolved around being in the house of God, serving the house of God, and being with the people of God. 
because they were taught faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. Now we got an entire generation of, I didn't like that, so I'm out. I didn't like that, so I'm out. I didn't like that, so I'm out. So I don't like that, and I'm out. I don't like this, I don't like that. And before you know it, you've been to 15 churches, and you're never the problem. I am not, I am not saying this because I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm saying this because my only agenda is to see you mature into the full stature of Christ Jesus. Guys, there's got to be something that keeps us here. Like, you, you, we, we can't be moved. We're so easily moved, as James says. A double-minded man, right, tossed to and fro. Why does that happen? Because you don't allow suffering to produce something in you. I'm telling you, I am not a distance runner. It hurts. Like four miles in, guys, I don't want to get up at 5.30 and get my run in and come into the office dripping in sweat, but I do because I got a goal in mind. I know what it's producing in me, and that's just physical. Why is it that we're okay with this physically, yet we don't submit to it spiritually? Submit. Remain under. Okay. We got to let suffering teach us to be persistent despite difficulty or delay. Did you know that all throughout scripture, you're going to see how this idea of steadfastness, persistence, or endurance only ever resulted in salvation, protection, spiritual fruit, and encouragement to others. It never resulted in that person's demise. I dare you to go read it. Go read scripture. I dare you to go read scripture. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We got to move along. Look at, look at how the NIV uh, says, are you with me? Are you getting something out of this? Okay. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. This is James 1 again, but in the NIV. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And look at this. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, which leads me to my third and final point. When we suffer, we can move from immaturity to maturity. Look at the scripture, finish its work. Finish its work, not stay stuck in it. Are you hearing me? Okay, I love you. So let me kindly tell you and lovingly tell you this. You've allowed, some of you have allowed, pain and suffering to mark your life in such a way that you've actually never moved through it. And then you're wondering why you are a stunted, immature Christian. Tony, I'm not immature. That's kind of insulting. Okay, put two toddlers into a room. Give them all the toys available to them. And then leave like an empty Amazon package in the center of the room. Okay? It's not attractive. It's just a box. Leave the room. When you come back to the room, what will they be fighting over? The box. As they are wrestling about for the box, what is the word that, that's going to come out of their mouth? You guys know it. Mine! Mine! Tony, it's really insulting when you call me immature. Well, you say mine to God all the time. Like, we laugh about the illustration I just painted, but, like, how, how do we know if we're immature? My money. 
my time, my health, my family, my outcome, my, my goals, my dreams, my aspirations, my success. So I'm just trying to help you move out of the state of infancy and into maturity. How else do I know that I've stayed in the state of immaturity? Well, if you have not matured through it, then you're stuck in it. Okay? God's intent for you is that you would not stay in the state of infancy. Where at every turn, at every difficulty, you're one ready to scream, mine, why, get me out of this, or I'm out. But that God would move you into a place of maturity where now I've moved through that. Why? Because as I said earlier, there is no sanctification or growth without this. Let me tell you my third concern today. I've given you a lot of concerns, but let me give you my third concern in all this. Is that you and I live a life where we are simply satisfied with salvation. And then there's this beautiful thing that we miss out on called sanctification. You are saved by grace through faith. Thank God for that. You are sanctified as you walk through the valley, through the storms, through trials, through tribulations, when you realize you're pressed, pressed, and as you get pressed, what's inside of you, hear me, comes out. And as that comes out, you got to deal with what's inside of you. Are you with me on this? So my concern is, is that we create people that are simply satisfied with their salvation. But my friend, we've, we've got to own that part of our discipleship walk with Christ Jesus is being sanctified in the walking, in the pain, in the crushing, in the pressing, in all that life throws our way. God, what will you do in and through me? How will this mature me? Tony, what's maturity? Is it age? I'm glad you asked. No, it's not age. Is it longevity? Well, maybe. I'm sure there's an element to it. But let me read to you what James would describe as a mature Christian. Know this, my beloved brother, brothers. Let every person, this is verse 19, be, look at this, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This sounds pretty mature, doesn't it? You know what's immature? People that don't know how to listen well. People that are easily fall into sinning in the midst of their anger. People that are just waiting for you to shut up so that they can finally say something. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with, look at this, meekness, the implanted word. And he goes on to say, but be doers of the word, not just hearers, only deceiving ourselves. Maturity, hear me, hear me, will come in a doing. I know I said I only got three concerns, but let me give you a fourth concern. Here's my fourth concern. You come to church, you hear some great speaking, and hear what I said, speaking, not preaching or teaching, just good speaking. 
By the way, you can hear better speaking on a YouTube channel anywhere else, okay? Let me just tell you that. Although I'm pretty darn good. But anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing. Some of you were falling asleep. I had to get you laughing. My concern is that we come to church, we hear some good speaking, and then we walk out of here the same. Hear me, not doing anything different or that's aligned to what we've learned. Do not be fooled. There is a doing. Maturity actually calls us to a doing, to a living, to an acting this out, to playing this out, not acting as, a, as an actor would fake it, but playing this out. By the way, oftentimes we attribute maturity to a kind of arrogance that goes, I've arrived and I've, I've done it all, seen it all. Let me talk to some of you gray hairs today. Your longevity with God should only lead you to a greater desperation of God. It shouldn't be, uh, I've seen it all. I've done it all. Tony, you're teaching on James. How many times I've heard James, read James. That, that's not maturity. That's actually immaturity because it's pride. And so maturity will only come, hear me, when I understand I truly am, and I said this a few weeks ago, I want to say it again, when I've truly recognized I am clay in the potter's wheel. That I'm to be molded to how he wants me to be. And it's a, it's a daily decision of know me, O oh God, search me, O oh God. If there's any wicked ways in me, rip it out of me, God. Tear me down if you've got to tear me down. But Tony, look at the life I built. No, no, no. Look at what God wants to build in and through you. But Tony, this means surrender. Yes, it does. But Tony, this means I got to die to my pride. Yes, it does. I'm almost done. Uh, the keyboard can come up wherever you are. Bella, I don't know if she's in the room. I'm not seeing her. Okay. There she is. I saw her running. Okay. Okay. I'm almost done. You got five, you got, well, I'm not going to say how many minutes. You got some minutes left? I went much longer first service, so you're welcome. You know what stops me at times from maturing and growing? Not just pride, but shame does. Let me give you an example. There's moments like in my marriage, and, and by the way, I know this happens in your life too, because if I have a perfect marriage and you're imperfect, you have it too. <laughs> you, you didn't catch my joke there, okay. Newsflash, I don't have a perfect marriage. There's times where like, I know that I've done something wrong or maybe there's an area of my life where I've got to grow, but actually like asking for help is, it's too shameful. So then I'm stuck in this place where I don't grow. Are you hearing me on this? Like I've identified something in my life that I desperately need help with, but my shame keeps me from asking for help. My shame keeps me from even, I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe it's just me, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just brave enough to finally say this, but my shame stops me from even telling my wife I'm actually doing something about it sometimes. Like, hey, I know we talked about this thing and wanna let you know I've 
kind of finally doing something about it. Don't let shame, don't let guilt, don't let condemnation stop you from needing, from your need to ask for help to grow. Is that a good word? Okay. I'm almost done. We're landing the plane. This thing, this is why I got to stick with an iPad. Okay. Literally, I only have three more lines to read to you. Is that okay? But I got to read them to you because this is important stuff I wrote down. Church, let me tell you that I believe if we are to be desert people, we are not to die in the desert. We are to thrive in the desert. If you look at who survived in the desert, it wasn't those that went back to what was known. It wasn't no, those that turned their back and didn't have a steadfastness and began to idolize other idols. It wasn't those that didn't put their trust in God. The ones that went and thrived in the desert and out of the desert were the children of God who said, God, I'm going to let this produce longevity in me. I'm going to allow you to bring the provision that I need to my day-to-day. I'm going to allow you to grow me through this. My friend, you and I are desert people, but we're not meant to die in the desert. We're called to thrive in the desert. Charles Spurgeon says, our trials are smoke, but not fire. They are uncomfortable, but they do not consume us. The Apostle Paul says, you may be pressed, but you're not crushed. You might be persecuted, but you are not abandoned. I hope somebody receives this in this spirit. You may be struck down, but you are not destroyed. In fact, you are blessed beyond belief, my friend. You're blessed to have something that God is putting in you. And hear me on this. This isn't a concept for me. This is my life. I stand on this stage week in and week out preaching the way I do because I've endured pain. And in the midst of that pain, God has given me gifts that are beautiful that I would not otherwise have and an empathy and a compassion that I am grateful for. Quite frankly, I'm a little morbid. I go, God, repeat some of that stuff because I want some more of what you produced in me. Like, If you haven't understood yet, I, wanna, I want this to sink in your heart. Pain is a gift because it draws you to the feet of Jesus. I'm done. God, I want us, I want us, God, to be drawn to your feet. God, I want you to be our only source. Help us, oh God. This is what I want us to do here. I'm going to give you some time to, to reflect, to think, to pray, to meditate. To... We're not going to sing a song. We're just going to kind of let the keyboard play. We always like to say that there's several different ways for you to respond today. The, the first way is just in prayer. Right there where you're at, seated, you can just pray and ask God to talk to you, to reveal to you some things, to process some things that you heard today. 
If you feel the need to actually have somebody pray with you or for you, you can leave your seat and head over to the prayer corner. We've got an amazing trained team there that can pray with you. The other thing you can do is give. What are the things that you've got to give over to God? Maybe your give, the thing you've got to give over today is your life. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you to leave your seat and head over to the prayer corner and somebody there can help you make that decision, walk you through that decision. But what are things you've got to give over to him? If you're a member of Legacy Church, it's just kind of a, a good reminder as well of it's a good time for us to give of our tithes and offerings as a response. We, we also have the moment that's beautiful and sacred to remember at the table of the Lord the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at our communion table. It's located up here, and there's one in the back too. And then the other thing is really offering him worship. And worship is more than just singing. In fact, I think there's people in this room right now that are like, man, God, you, this sermon reminded me of the things you brought me through. And because of that, now I got a song in my heart. I got gratitude in my heart. I got lips that can't help but praise you. And so I'm going to give us all some time and then I'll come back up and dismiss. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name, as we spend some time to kind of silence our voices and and everything else, God, I pray that your voice would be the loudest voice right now in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, that you would guide us, you would help us, you would empower us, Spirit of God, to respond how you would want us to respond today. Lord, so now as we look to a moment of response with you, I pray you would stir our hearts. Lord, help us to be those people that truly know how to rejoice in the midst of suffering, that can move from immaturity to maturity, and that can have a faith that withstands the test of time. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's, let's respond together. I pray now that your peace 
that goes beyond any and all understanding would guard all of our minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for the person here that is in the middle of various trials and tribulations and hardships. I pray, God, even as we learned a couple weeks ago, that you would be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Also, God, that, that their heart would be willing to go, okay, what is it that you want to do in me and through me in this season? I pray, Father, that those that maybe have walked out now of a, of a season of pain and suffering or trials and tribulation, I pray that, that that which you produced in them could be used, Father, to bless many around them. Lord, I pray for this church, this congregation. First, I want to say thank you for every life that's represented in this room. And I thank you because in our lives, we may face some difficulty, but we can take heart because you've overcome the world. But I pray, God, that you would build us into a perseverant, healthy, here-for-the-long-haul community. That, Lord... That's how we would treat one another as well. Men, this for the long haul. That we journey with one another. That we be faithful to you, faithful to one another. Lord, and I pray that as every one of us goes home or to our workplaces or wherever we, we do for the week, our schools, I pray that the things that you have called us to today, we would be obedient to them. And just as James says, help us to be doers and not just hearers. Even as we walk out these doors, God, help us to go out and do what you've called us to do. I bless these people and I thank you for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Remember what I told you last week? The service may be over, but church is not over. So go be the church. Love you all. And be sure to swing by the Info Hub for any of the upcoming events and things like that. We will see you next weekend. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.